I've been missing Wednesday night around here, amen. This my pick-me-up right here. Wow, I'm glad you're here tonight. Thank you for being in the house. You may be seated for a few moments. We welcome you. What a privilege it is to host you, and thank you so very, very much for not just your presence, but for your patience. Uh, I think they were telling me today out on the, the lot there when they were working, December the 11th, I think, is when it all came down. And uh, so we're a little more than a month in, and it, it really, if you've been up there, it looks like we're building a Walmart. It is amazing. It's level, it's thick. I mean, when you, when you stand on the other side of the property, you look, you recognize how much they've had to build up, how much field is actually there. And uh, it's, it's beautiful, the big rock walls coming in. We are built on a rock around here. There is no doubt about that. So it's beautiful to behold, but it's just, it's a lot to accomplish. And, and they're working literally around the clock, and we can only work them as, as, as hard as we can. I can't, I can't push them any further, and there's so much still on the back end, the details to be done. So we, we've got our little, our little rented tent here, amen, for the weekend, and so this is where we'll be on Sundays. Just go ahead and get your, your mind set on that. I know it scales everything back, but that's okay. I believe once we finally get that tent up, it's a whole new season for Global Vision Bible Church. I'm convinced of that. I believe that. I receive that. And uh, too many people are, are seeing that and, and having prayers answered in regards to that and words that the Lord is dropping, confirming in their Bible time and in their prayer time. And uh, it's just taking us a little while to get back in it. But we will. We'll have us a big old grand opening. We'll do a ribbon cutting. We'll do something. Amen. It's going to be beautiful. But I'm glad you're here tonight. I really have missed Wednesday night services uh, the last few weeks. It's, it's been beautiful. I have a, a, a word on my heart in just a little bit that I want to share with you. And... Uh, it's just good. We're in a good place right now as a church. You know, the Lord's transitioning us in a lot of ways this past Sunday, just being here and seeing, seeing this room filled on a horrible, horrible rainy Sunday. Mud, half the band, no screens, everything scaled back, dialed down, squealy microphone, you know, at times, the busted water line in the children's room, and so all the kiddos in here running around half crazy, and it was beautiful. It really was. It was beautiful. And uh, many of you don't know that 45 minutes into the meet and greet line, we had a young lady that watched online. They, they come here when they're able to. They live a little ways out. And uh, she got under such conviction watching it that she, she threw her, her sweat britches on and got in the car and drove all the way here to get baptized at the end of the meet and greet line. <laughs> wow. Sweat britches. Is that a word? Sorry, baby. My wife's laughing. I don't know what sweat britches are, but whatever they are. She put her sweat britches on, amen, and came and got, put her baptismal britches on what she did, amen. She came and followed the Lord, and so the Lord's doing some great things around here, and, I, and I'm honored that uh, we're able to be back on Wednesday night. Somebody was telling me just a moment ago, drove in, I think they said from, from Minnesota, Wisconsin area, and so they could just feel the presence of the Lord just driving on the parking lot, amen, just, just coming in on a Wednesday night, and uh, just sensing the presence of the Lord, and that's what I want. I want it to be baked into this campus. I want people to walk out here and be like, wow, to God, not Greg, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. So the Lord is certainly on the move. Well, uh, tonight we're going to have our communion, amen. I've been missing having the Lord's table with our church family, and so tonight we're going to do that. So I'm going to ask that our, our servers and our hosts would go ahead and come up. And uh, things are obviously a little bit different in here than they are in the, in the big tent. And now that we're just getting back to Wednesday night, let me remind you, what we'll do is we'll take this pole right here in the middle, and uh, we'll split it, and so everybody on this side, and then, of course, everybody on this side will come over here, everybody on this side will come over here. For some reason, we're a little bit top-heavy over here, so we might have to have some of this side come over here as well, and uh, th these people over here don't like to sit with everybody else over here, I suppose, amen. And uh, so about middle pole, maybe a few rows over, we'll let these folks come up to this side, my left, your right, <clears throat> and get the communion elements, and then everybody on this side can come down and get the communion elements and get both of them. Go ahead and get your, your bread and your juice, and then take them back to your seat, and in a moment, we'll pray together, and uh, we will read the text together, and we'll have a time of fellowship, because that's what the Lord's table does. It brings about unity in the local church. God's not asking you to be perfect. He's making sure that you're saved and that you're having a, a seeking relationship with God, that you're making sure you want to be right, right? So don't just come up here all willy-nilly, oh, I'm just going to haphazard take the, take the Lord's table because I don't want anybody to frown upon me. Hey, you shouldn't want God to frown upon you. So be serious tonight with these elements because there's only two things that Jesus left as a commandable and commendable ordinance to the local church. Baptism and the Lord's table. 
And so they're very high and holy on God's list of things that we do as a local faith fellowship. And so let's go ahead and stand. We're not going to pay attention to who comes, who doesn't. It's between you and God and nobody else. Children are at parents' discretion and students, you'll be dismissed in a little while after the worship to go to your time with Brother Jesse and his wife. And so let's come and let's wait upon the Lord as we get these elements tonight. What can wash away my sin? Oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh. Is the flow that makes me white as snow? No other fount I know. Ooh, nothing but the blood of everybody all right let's pray father tonight we come to you in Jesus name and we thank you for the privilege of communion and Lord we may use it as a name but that's really what it is 
It's providing communion with our Heavenly Father through the work of the Holy Spirit because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. But it also is providing communion one with another in this room. Friendships, homes, marriages, relational connection, and a body of believers, a faith fellowship, both in-house and online. So, Father, we pray that you'd be honored and glorified as we represent you and your shed blood and your broken body for the sins of humanity. And then, of course, the glory and the victory of the resurrected Savior. We thank you for that great victory tonight. We thank you that we can worship and celebrate this beautiful atonement on our behalf tonight in this place. And we celebrate this until you come again. So we approach it tonight with a sombering attitude, with a high and holy attitude, recognizing the fact that you died for us, did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we celebrate that tonight. And we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I have delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Can I get a big hallelujah tonight? Why don't we sing that chorus, nothing but the blood? Can we sing that with our brother? Let's sing that tonight. I mean, it's all about the blood. Let's sing that tonight. Nothing can compare. You're our living 
Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is under. Oh, yes, in your presence, Lord, your sweet presence. and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. Let us become aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness, Lord. More of your presence, Lord. More of your presence in this place. More of your presence in our homes. More of your presence in our families. More of your presence in our workplace. More of your presence where we go Cause we take your presence with us Everywhere we go we take you with us You're always with us Your presence with us God with us Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel mm -hmm. And Holy Spirit are welcome come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord oh Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord your presence Lord like a cloud let your presence fall like a heavy cloud let your presence fall let your glory fall amen amen hallelujah all of our students can be dismissed with uh, brother jesse and his family tonight all 
all of them can be dismissed. I know some of them are already out there in the ranks waiting, but they can begin to make their way out for Bible study tonight. I'm grateful that we have leadership in that area to teach these young men and these young ladies the ways of God, amen, and teach them the Bible, let them have a great time of fellowship one with another. I want to invite you tonight, we're going to actually close out in prayer here in just a little bit, but I want to invite you to a, a passage that's, it's not long at all. It's just a few verses really and some miracle that Jesus performed amongst many miracles, but the last couple of days it's been on my heart for a couple of reasons and I'll share that with you as we draw to more of a conclusion in a moment, but I want you to go to Mark chapter 8 tonight. And I, I really just want to share out of the overflow of some things I, I sense and feel that, that the Lord's been teaching me. And so that's one of the things I love about Wednesday night, whether it's in-house or online. I, I love the privilege sometimes just to be able to slow down a little bit, dial things back, and just, just talk, just kind of chit-chat from the overflow of what the presence of God's Spirit has been teaching me and downloading into me. And so uh, I trust that tonight God will, will use what's going to be said. I, I know His Word's anointed. He's going to use that, but I pray that He'll use the understanding of how I want to deliver it tonight to speak to every single person and, and not just here, but the people that are watching. Because I, I believe when you deliver an on-time word, it delivers people on time. Amen? It gives you exactly what you need exactly when you need it. And I know this is some great truth that I needed to sink my teeth into. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the Gospel of Mark and the 8th chapter. Father, we just ask again in the mighty name of Jesus that you would be glorified and your presence would be amongst us for the course of the remaining moments of this service, that you would help me as I teach the Word of God. Lord, the young people that are learning, help them as they learn the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that we can sing tonight about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can sing about the power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you that we can sing about the fact that because of the power of the presence of God and because of the gospel and the blood, that we are no longer slaves to anything, especially fear. But we are servants of the Most High God. So, Father, I pray that you would infuse me with your power for the next few moments as I deliver the goods of the gospel. Well, there's a lot here in just a little passage. It's action-packed, and so I pray that we would not miss the nuggets that are contained here in the gold mine of your word. Remove distractions, keep our hearts focused upon you for these moments we have in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, you know, Jesus performed a lot of miracles. As a matter of fact, if you include the miracle of the resurrection was the greatest of all of them, 38 miracles from the hands of Jesus that we find in the gospel account, 38 of them. From Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are very few of the miracles contained in the gospel accounts that are only mentioned in one of the gospels, but we have one tonight in the book of Mark that's an unusual story. It's not unusual in the fact that Jesus had not done things like this before and after. It's unusual how Jesus decided to go about the performance of this miracle. Now, let me give you the context of what is happening here because Jesus is going to do this on the heels of rebuking his disciples. Not rebuking the people, not rebuking those that were demon-possessed, not rebuking the sick, rebuking his disciples. They were in a rickety raft and they were going from one spot to the next as they so often did. And, and they began to talk about bread and they were nervous. And Jesus overheard their conversation and even if they would have been speaking in their head, he would have overheard their conversation. And so he looks at them and he says, uh, how long have you been with me? Do you not get it? It's not about bread. Did you not see the time that I fed the 5,000? Did you not see the time? Were you not there that I fed the 4,000? Did you not see the fragments of the baskets that remain over and above the loaves? Did you not see this? And Jesus had to rebuke the people that were closest to him for having no faith whatsoever. These were the church-going people of the New Testament. These guys had power to defeat the devil. They had power to heal people in the name of Jesus. And Jesus in a boat looks at them and says, you guys are hard-headed as the day is long. When are you going to ignite your faith? When are you going to get it? 
When are you going to understand what I've been trying to teach you? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I've met people that have been in church their whole life and they still don't get it. We talk about faith and they think it's some far off, spooky, kooky, booger under the bed type of a situation, some foggy situation that they'll never attain unto. And Jesus said, have you not figured out who I am yet? How long have you been with me? Have you not seen? Have you not heard? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, a lot of times we just taste of God's blessings, but we don't open our eyes long enough to see the abundant blessings and the miracle hand of God all around us. He didn't say just taste it. He says taste and see that the Lord is good. And I believe we've tasted of God's goodness, but we're about to see God's miracle working power like we've never experienced it before. I believe that with all of my heart. So on the heels of that, they get out of the boat and this happens. Mark chapter number eight, verse number 22. And he cometh to Bethesda. And they bring a blind man unto him and besought him, Jesus, to touch him. Now, I want you to understand something. When I read the Bible, I've always got my thinking cap on. There are really two reasons and only two that they brought this man to Jesus. One of them was a positive reason. One of them was a negative reason. I'm convinced that most of the people that brought the blind man to Jesus for Jesus to touch him was for the purpose of Jesus to heal him. They wanted this man genuinely to be better. But I also believe there was a mixed multitude that brought that man to Jesus just to see if Jesus would fail. Just to see if it was really going to transpire. Just to see if he was really the miracle working magic man that he claimed to be. The prophet, the Messiah, the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so there were some people that wanted this man to be different. But there are some people that could care less if he was different or not. They wanted to see, is Jesus really legit? And by the way, you will always have those types of people around you. This morning in our altered day and time men's Bible study at the Hilton Garden and fellas, you ought to get in on that. I'm telling you, it's amazing. And God gave us a, a great number of men there this morning. But from Corinthians, we're talking about the fact that there are some people, Paul said, they are setting you up for failure. They do not want you to succeed. Your spirituality makes them nervous. Your walk with God makes them jealous. And some of the people brought the man to Jesus, yes, so he could heal him, but some of them brought him there simply because they wanted to see, is this man legit? And they were hoping, no doubt, in their heart of hearts that he was going to fail miserably. We know the rest of the story. And so he said, look, this man needs to be touched. Verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand, which obviously he had to lead him because he was blind, we get that, and watch this, led him out of the town. I found that interesting. My question is, couldn't Jesus just heal the man right there, Johnny, on the spot? Of course he could. Couldn't he heal him around the multitude everywhere Jesus went? It was like a stomped ant bed. We know there was multitudes. He could have healed him right there. He could have said, in my own name, see, and bam, the cat would have seen because Jesus commanded it, but he didn't do that. The Bible said that he took him by the hand and he led him out of the town before he even began the process of healing the guy. And I'm going to tell you something that God spoke into my spirit when I read this. Some of you are not getting from God what you need to get because you're too distracted by everything and everybody that's around you and God needs to lead you out of town a little bit. Some of you want God to do some great things in your life, but he can't do it because you're distracted by everybody around you. You're distracted by the job. You're distracted by your financial instability. You're distracted by the problem, by the blindness, by the cancer, by the COVID, by the sickness, by the divorce. You are distracted. And sometimes you've got to be led out into isolation. You know... I was reading the other day where Elijah and so many of the great men and women of God in the Old Testament, especially the prophets, how lonely they were. I mean, how absolutely lonely. They were surrounded by people all the time and were the loneliest people in the entire room, perhaps on the entire planet. And I felt like the Lord said, without isolation, you will never receive activation. 
Isolation equals activation. Some of you want God to activate you. You got to get isolated first. You got too many distractions. You got too much Facebook scrolling going on and you're talking about a Facebook king. I get it. But every now and again, you got to put that stuff down and turn that stuff off and quit watching the news and quit reading everything that you can get your hands on. Look, sometimes you got to just stop and let God make you distraction-free because the distractions are there for the taking. They're all over the place. There's distractions everywhere in life. And I found it interesting that Jesus walked up, grabbed the man by the hand and said, come with me. And he walked him out of town. Why? Too many people. He had to get him somewhere where he could have his attention. He had to get him somewhere where he could focus. Because as we say, what Mr. Miyagi said, your focus need more focus. And so he grabbed him by the hand. He took him out of town before the miracle ever started. Watch this. And put his hands upon him. And then when he put his hands upon him, watch what Jesus does. He asked him if he saw aught. Meaning by that, you see anything yet? You, you catching a glimpse of light? Do you see anything? And we don't know to what severity the man was blind, but apparently it was pretty great. He had to be led completely out of town. Jesus touched him and said, do you see anything yet, son? Do you see anything at all? Watch the answer that the man gave, verse 24. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Isn't that weird? Such strange stuff in the ministry of Jesus. He said, what do you see? He said, well, I, I, I see men like trees walking around. You ever seen a tree walking around? He couldn't differentiate between the two. You see, the man had been blind for such a long time that there was confusion, right? Jesus touched him and said, what do you see? He said, well, I see men, but they look like trees. They're, they're not really clear. They're not really in focus. And, and to me, they look like jagged trees just kind of walking around, a Wizard of Oz movie type of deal stuff, right? He said, I see men as trees walking. I find it interesting what happens next. You know, this is the only time. Now, I'm not being disrespectful to the ministry of Jesus. I'm following the context, so pay attention to what comes out of my mouth. This is the only time that Jesus had to do the miracle twice to make it work. Don't get nervous so much what the Bible says. The guy got partial revelation. He got partial healing. His capacity wasn't stretched enough yet for the full revelation of God. He said, what do you see? He said, I see men like trees dancing around. Now, it wasn't a mistake in the context. Jesus knew what the man was going to see. But here's the part that blows my mind, right? This absolutely blows my mind. And we're going to back up in a minute because I want you to see something in verse 23. But you need to see this. After that, after he made this statement, he, Jesus, Put his hands again upon his eyes. Now, I may be wrong, and you can rebuke me if I am. I can't find anywhere else in the Bible that Jesus had to perform the same miracle twice to make it work. That's it. Jesus. Not Greg, not some healer on TV. Jesus had to do it twice to get the man to reach his full capacity of being healed from his blindness. Now, back up. Watch this. What happens? I want you to see this. It's interesting. When he takes him out of the town, verse 23, watch what the Bible says. When he spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw up. When he did what? Yeah. He spit on him. Jesus spit in this man's face. He spit in his eyes. Now look, if I spit on my hand and wiped it on you, you'd go crazy. In this Rona world, everybody would go crazy, right? But if I spit in your face and said, be healed in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, you would knock my teeth out and probably have a good reason to. I'd knock my own teeth out for being that stupid. But Jesus spit in his eyes and then laid his hands on him. And I, and I want to remind you of something that you need to understand tonight and need to hear this. God doesn't work like you work. He didn't care about your rules. He didn't care about what denomination you grew up in. He doesn't live by the rules of the PhD that taught you one way, contrary to what I'm teaching you right now. 
Jesus isn't worried about your seminary degree. Jesus don't care how Baptist you are, how Pentecostal you are, how Church of God you are, how Church of Christ. He doesn't care. He just walks around spitting in people's eyes. Jesus spit in a man's face. Spit on him. Because the way God performs things is not the way that we think sometimes it needs to be performed. God does things that he never has to ask permission for. Do you ever notice there's not one time in the Bible? There's 791,328 words in the Bible. That's a lot of Bible. That's 31,101 verses, 1,189 chapters, and you can count the letters later. That's a lot of Bible. A lot of Bible. Not one time in the whole Bible, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, did God ever ask permission to do anything. Now, Job wanted him to. Why'd you do this, and why'd you do this, and why'd you do this? And you know that in the book of Job, there are 84 questions. I call it the 84-question quiz. There are 84 questions... And God says, where were you when I raised the mountains? Where were you when I lowered the valleys? Where were you when I put the universe in its orbit? Where were you? Where were you? Where God never asked permission to do stuff because he's God. He doesn't need permission to move in a church. He doesn't need permission to send revival. You would think if you grew up in a dead church that the only way you could have revival is when the deacon board votes on it. I remember I was in a church in this town. I won't say who they are, but I was in a church in this town a number of years ago. We were visiting various places to kind of get an idea of where we wanted the Lord to take us. And it was long before the tent, long before all of that. So me and a couple of the staff guys and another youth pastor that we had in those days, we, we went across town to this little church. And I mean, it, it was country as cornbread, redneck, little church, awesome, cool. And they sang, you know, out of the old red back hymnal, and it was good. I'll fly away, oh glory. I mean, it was great, right? We were tapping our foot, we was having a good time. So this guy gets up and he preaches. He's a leather lung. I mean, he's sweating. He's got him a, a dish rag and he's going with it, right? I mean, he's just going to town. So he gets to the end and he gives the invitation. There's 45, 50 people tops in the room, right? He gives the invitation and this one little lady comes forward for 10 seconds flat. That's it. She just walks up, gets down, does something, gets up, walks back. So we're kind of standing there. It was kind of awkward. It was kind of weird. You, you could tell that people weren't really in a, in a habit of using the altar. And we wonder sometimes, why do you call that an altar? Because it'll alter your life if you use it. That's why. So I'll never forget. The pastor got up and he said, well, he said, as is our custom. I'm telling you, gospel truth right down the street. As is our custom, since no one was in the altar tonight, we need to have a vote of confidence as to whether we're going to continue this revival meeting or not. It has served its days of purpose and if you believe that the revival ought to continue, then say, ah. And like two people are like, ah. I wasn't even a voting member. I want to be like, ah, ah, ah. Well, nobody was in the altar, so we might as well. I'm thinking, yeah, maybe that's why you ought to continue it, because nobody was in the altar. And he's like, well, you know, if you, if you want to close it down, say, ah. Right? All over the whole room. He's like, well, you know what I then I believe that's just the work of the Holy Spirit. What? I knew when I walked in the room, you know, they had one of them big old covenants on the wall. And I'm not bashing your home church you grew up in that has a covenant on the wall. Here's what I know about churches that have a covenant on the wall. Number one, nobody knows what it says because everybody ignores it. And number two, they're going to vote on something before you get out of church. They voted on as to whether the Holy Spirit wanted them to continue revival or not. They voted on it. And like two people voted, let's go on. Everybody else said, nope. And they're like, okay, you're outnumbered, sorry. Let me tell you something. God doesn't work like that. I had God in a box in my life and in my ministry far too long. And if it did not fit the box that I had placed God in, then it could not be God. And the problem was, the more it manifested, it became a whole lot of Greg and very little of God. And as God began to get me out of that box, and God began me to understand, it's God, not Greg. It's Lord, not Locke. It's not about you. It's not about your tent. It's not about global vision. It's not about your blue check mark. It's not about internet fame, which is not all it's cracked up to be. It's not about any of that. It's about the glory of God. God sometimes shows up and spits on stuff. He does things differently than we think he ought to do it. Sometimes he interrupts the order of service. And my question is, why have an order then? Just let God show up. Church is so predictable these days in America. 
Now look, we got a flow. I like a flow. But you better know that God can interrupt the flow anytime he wants to. God's got the mic in this church. He can take over during the preaching. You can't, but he can take over during the preaching. He can take over during the singing. He can take over during the offering. He can take over before we get started. And long after we're done, he can send people watching online to get baptized at the end of the meet and greet if he wants to. Look, there's been a few days, even over these tractors and all this rock-beating loud nonsense, I can tell up there, they're happy in the Lord. They have revival up there on top of the rocks. God's doing something on this campus. And I'm not going back. Man, I've tasted and seen too much to go back to who we used to be just because it made us feel more comfortable. I ain't worried about filling buildings and filling tents and having a bunch of people watching online. I want to watch God do something. And sometimes God will show up and spit all over your plans. You say, well, I just don't think that's in the Bible. Well, you didn't read it. He's spitting a man's eyes. I'm not saying that's how we go about it, because I wouldn't, unless God really, really led me. If I ever spit on you, I'm going to say, God led me to do it. You heard me preach that night. Amen. So... But I'm telling you, sometimes God just does things out of order, out of what we would think is character. He just does things different because that's what makes him God. And I long for the days when God just shows up and does what he wants to. Just does what he wants to. So he spit in his eyes, put his hands on him and asked him, as we said. Then the guy gave him the wonderful answer. I see ministries walking. So then, verse 25, back to it. So after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes. I, I keep reading that thing to myself. Are you kidding me? It's not that Jesus didn't have the power. It's that the man didn't have the capacity at that moment. Sometimes you got to grow into stuff. Sometimes you got to mature into things. Now, his was pretty immediate. For some of you, you've been growing into the same thing for a long time, but sometimes we want God to dump it all on us at one time, but you don't have the capacity to handle that because what you want God to bless you with would destroy you if you're not big enough spiritually to handle it. Your container's got to be bigger. Your container's got to be stretched. And so Jesus, a second time, the only time I can find in three and a half years of healing ministry, he put his hands again upon his eyes and then made him look up. And he was, out loud, what's the next word? Restored. He was restored. Now look, I'm not going to read into something that's not there, but I do believe it's a biblical New Testament play on words. We know his eyesight was restored, but don't you know that restored his hope? Don't you know that restored, that encouraged, that lifted this man up? He was restored. And my Bible says he restored my soul. Can't nobody restore you like God can restore you. Restoration is the most beautiful road you will ever walk down. Now, let me say this. It's the most brutal road you will ever walk down. Because it's beautiful, but it's also brutal. And this man immediately was touched by Jesus a second time for the same infirmity. And the Bible says he was restored. And what happens next? And saw every man clearly. I can see clear. Okay, clearly. Clearly, at first it was a little befuzzled. At first he had to be able to, to, to work into this new faith that he had, this, this new ability of a man spitting in his face, taking him out of town, isolating him from everybody. What do you see? I see men as trees walking. Jesus touched him again. What do you see? I see men clearly. Clearly. Now, let me share something with you. I think one of the reasons God has allowed all of the convolution the last month, it's been beautiful convolution. It's been, it's been crazy. It's been weird. There's times my faith's been a little bit weak, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. We're going to lose the momentum of all the people coming, whatever, yada, yada, shmada. It's different, you know, when you're out in the parking lot, and everybody's all cold and, you know, jammed up, and you got a big, you know, rock band-looking stage, you know, people driving by honking their horn, and Larry's mad. You know, it's, it's weird, right? <laughs> Nothing to do with that. Just weird. And so I, I, I got to be honest. I, I think what is happening in me and, and I know in my wife and, and really in, in my whole family and in the church 
and people I'm talking to, I, I think God has been stripping down some distractions from our eyes so that we can see more clearly what he's doing, but more importantly, what he wants to do. God does not want to take us back to where we were. He don't want to just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. There's more. Remember we said this past weekend, there's more. There's more to God than we give him credit for. There's more to the Holy Spirit than the church gives him credit for, than this church has given him credit for. There's more to the things of God. <laughs> I read about this mom and this little boy. They were in this hardware store and she had to pick up a few things. And as they were walking out, the hardware store manager looked at the little boy and he picked up a little bucket full of candy. He said, June, you put your hand in there. He said, however much you can get in your hand, you shove it in your pocket and take it home. Well, he loved candy and she knew that, so he was going to jump on that, but he didn't. He took his hand and stuck it in his pocket even deeper. His mama nudged him and said, honey, you're embarrassing mama. That man said, put your hand in the jar and get all you want, put it in your pocket. Don't just stand there. And he just shook his head. Finally, the store manager said, oh, it's okay, ma'am. He's just, he's a little embarrassed. He, he doesn't know me. Let, let me help him out. He reached in there, grabbed him a big old handful. Boy lit up, opened up both hands. He filled it up, filled his pockets all up, walked out. She said, honey, why in the world did you make that man do what he asked you to do? He said, mama, his hands are a whole lot bigger than mine are. <laughs> That's where I'm at. His hands are a whole lot bigger than mine. I'm going to put my hands in my pocket and just let God show up in his house. His hands are bigger than mine. His hands are bigger than all of us put together. And he's got some treats he's going to dump on us. He's got some things he wants to do so we can see clearly. You know, things in the Bible are being more clear to me. Things in prayer are becoming more evidently clear to me. On New Year's Eve, my wife and I were invited to a church across town and uh, over in the, the Hendersonville area. And we went, and Greg and Lisa went, and we, we showed up, and we had little VIP seats. We were sitting down in front, and there was a, a gentleman that I'd been an acquaintance with for a while that pastors near Chattanooga, but I'd never met him personally, and so he wanted me to come, and we were going to meet, and it was beautiful. He got up, just preached the house down. Man, it's running all over that place. Years ago, I'd have thought this was crazy. I was like, whoo, this is good. So, I mean, it was just, and I mean, we're talking about it, it went until 1.30 in the morning. It was a New Year's Eve service, right? So they brought all the pastors up at the end of the service, the end of the message during the invitation, and they wanted to anoint us and pray over us. Well, again, we had never met. We, we made eyeball confirmation. He knew I was there sitting in the second row. I mean, that was obvious. He's watched my videos. I've watched him, and so we knew each other, so he nodded at me. He knew I was in the house, but we had not met yet. But we never spoke two words naturally together, ever. And so my wife and I walked up and I got my arm around her. And so these preachers on staff and then this, this dear pastor from Chattanooga, they, they put some oil in their hands. And they were going to walk around and pray over these pastors and their wives and ministry leaders. So he walked right up to us. We was the first one out of the gate. He, he could have went anywhere. But he walked right up to us and he put some oil on my forehead and he leaned down and he began to pray over my wife and I. I'll never forget what he said. It was so convicting. It was so simple. But it was so powerful. It was so confirming. It was so clear to me. He said, you know, brother, God's given you a big voice. Now, that's different than a big mouth. Say amen right there. <laughs> he said, God's given you a big voice. And up until now, it's been all about the voice. And he said, God's going to continue to build that voice and that platform. He said, but this year, it's not going to be about your voice. It's going to be about your ear. He said, learn this year to tune your ear to the sweet voice of the Holy Spirit. Because your voice will be accentuated when you listen to him with your ear. He had no idea what transition we've been making in our church what transitions I've been making in my heart, but we walked away and I knew that was immediate confirmation because God's making things a little bit more abundantly clear. Now, he's had to spit on some stuff around me. He's had to tip over a few sacred cows in my life. And he's had to do some things that have internally 
stretched me to a place that I thought it was going to destroy me. And I thought, there is no way I can say that. There is no way I can believe that. There is no way that's what the Bible says. And God says, look at here, knucklehead. Boop, boop, boop. And I'm like, dang it. That is what the Bible says. And God has begun to make things abundantly clear. All that that means of where we're going, I'm not quite sure. God's going to put those puzzle pieces together as he continues to manifest his presence and his glory and his miraculous miracle signs and wonders and as he continues to spit on stuff that needs to go and add things that need to be here. Because how I many you know, if God's going to add some stuff, he's got to take some stuff. The law of addition and subtraction before there's ever multiplication. But I want to say this. I want to give a disclaimer before we close out in prayer. And we weren't able to print cards. Obviously, everything's in a disarray right now. We're getting there. And so we're just going to have a closing time of prayer tonight together as a church family. Which, by the way, that doesn't mean that we don't pray for the request because I want to tell you something. To God be the glory, in a day's time, we had 900. Is that right, Kiki? 900 prayer requests come in just on our Facebook post alone. 900 specific prayer requests. There's a lot of people that entrust this church every Wednesday to pray. But, but I want to say this, and I want to, uh, I want to preface what I'm going to say. I'm claiming nothing. You hear me? I'm saying nothing more than the contextual facts that I have. That's it. I'll go no farther than the narrative allows me to go. So I'm not claiming anything of my, anything good in me, God did all of it. Anything rotten in me, I had all to do with that myself and you did too, so don't put your lip out. Not with me, but with you. The other night we bust up and went to Ohio. It was freezing in Ohio. It's cold. I thought, who goes to church in this cold weather? And then God says, all them crazy people in that tent in Nashville, that's who. So we get out of this little church, Maranatha Church, Pastor Dwayne. I'd never met Pastor Dwayne. Only know him a little bit now because of a few brief interactions there and text messages since then. I had no idea that the pastor was blind. Absolutely, totally blind in one eye and just about completely, totally blind in the other one. Some years ago, the Lord told him he was going to heal him. So he was going to a Christian Missionary Alliance church in that area, and he went to the elders, and he said, I believe the Holy Spirit has asked me to ask you to pray over me that my eyes would be healed, and they laughed at him. And they said, what does your doctor say? He said, well, the doctor says i got to have this surgery. They said, well, we, we would conclude together with safe, godly counsel and wisdom that you do what your doctor says and go get the surgery. He did, and it made his eyes worse. It destroyed and deteriorated much of the connecting tendons, if you will, behind his eye. So it made it worse, especially his right one that is obviously to a place of almost nearly being swollen shut. But he has a cool voice and a great spirit. He really does. So he said, I just kind of didn't lose my faith, but it really bothered me that they would do that. And then it bothered me even more that I listened and then it turned out worse because I knew God wanted to heal me. So I preached the other night, Monday night, whenever it was. Time flies and you're having fun. I got through preaching. We gave the invitation. The little building was packed. Jam full. Had a great time. We were doing the books before and books after, you know, photos, all that normal stuff. He had this little bitty dungeon of an office just, just right off the little bathroom area, right off the vestibule. We call it a, a foyer. I always wonder why they call it a foyer. It's where you are foyer in here. That's why. But nonetheless, <laughs> did you like that? And so we got all finished and he walked up to me. He said, uh, I want you to come in my office. I want to talk to you before you leave. He said, you're leaving? I said, yeah, I'm getting ready to go. He said, I want you to come and talk to me for a minute. So we went in his office and his wife came in and shut the door. We actually went in together and then shut the door. And a couple moments later, she, she came in, shut the door again. So it's just the three of us, just we three chickens in there. So he's talking about the impact that our church ministry has had upon his life. And his preaching and how it's influenced his church. So he said, I can't help but notice all the things that God's doing in your church. It's unbelievable. We're going to come down there for a visit. We want to see and anticipate what the Lord's doing. Bring some of it back here. So he said, I want to know. Uh, now, we're in an office closed up. The guys are outside waiting on me. 
I got the text message to prove it. I tell you no lie right here. He said, uh, I wonder if you pray for me. And in my spirit, I'm thinking, I hope you ain't gonna pray for me for your eyes. This dude's blind. He's a blind preacher. He's like, I want you to pray that God would send revival, a measure of revival to our church like he is to Global Vision. So in my mind, I'm like, that's great. Hallelujah, I can do that. And he said, and I also want you to pray over my eyesight. I said, really? He said, absolutely I do. What am I going to say? No. <laughs> well, you know, I, maybe them Christian Missionary Alliance dudes are right. You know, what's your doctor saying? No, 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 no. I said, of course I'll pray for you. So his wife and me and him, we just kind of circled up. And I laid my hands on his shoulder. I, I didn't hit him. I didn't spit on him. <laughs> I just prayed. And I said, in the middle of my prayer, I said, I can't see anywhere in the Bible where Jesus walked around just praying for people to be healed, but I can see where he commanded people to be healed in his own name. And I prayed for revival to fall, and I said, Lord, I, I pray that you would begin to heal this man's eyes tonight. Now look, let me be clear, pulpit and pen. I ain't claiming I'm a miracle worker. I ain't claiming I did jack. I'm telling you this for purpose. So I said, Lord, tonight I want it to begin. Start healing this man's eyes tonight in the name of Jesus. And he wasn't with a microphone. He wasn't with hundreds of people. It was me, him, and his wife, and the Holy Ghost in a room. Half the size is half of the platform, little bitty old room. So he hugged me, gave me a lion T-shirt, and I walked out. I said, I'll do a video in it, which I did the day when I got back. The righteous are bold as a lion. So we got on the bus, and I told Greg and some other people about it. He's like, man, I was wondering if he was going to ask you that. I was like, yeah, I was too. I was a little nervous he was going to ask me that. Man, what you going to do, you know? I believe God could do it. So I climbed to the bunk, went to bed, and got home. Yesterday, I sent him a text, Buford. I said, hey, Pastor, just out of curiosity, how are them eyes doing? I said, because I really believe the process has begun and God's going to fully restore your eyesight. I really believe that. I can show you the text messages. You think I'm lying. Pulpit and pen can have them too. They got the rest of them, but nonetheless. I said, look, how are your eyes? He said, huh, this morning when I woke up, he said, I picked up your access, your anointing book. Opened it, not the title, opened it to the inside. And he said, without my heavy spec readers, I began to read every word on the page in your book. I didn't even know how to respond to that. I, I, I didn't even know what to say to that. So I ain't claiming nothing. You ain't got to stand in line. I ain't claiming nothing. I'm just telling you, God is going to fulfill his word in this church in ways that we've never imagined. I'm telling you, we're going to see the evidence of real miracles happening in this tent. Maybe not this one, but the next one. Hey, this one too would be all right. It's not just going to be about a generosity revival. It's not just going to be about crowds and 3,000 people being baptized in less than two years. I'm telling you, we're going to see deliverance. We are going to see the manifested presence of God no matter who it scares. And we ain't got to work it up. We ain't got to cook it up. We ain't got to try to figure it out. Look, I'm glad it was just us in a room. Because I don't need an ounce of glory for any of it and don't want any. I'd rather just do things behind the scenes and walk away with a smirk in my heart knowing, woohoo, look at God. Yay, raw for Jesus. Look what the Holy Ghost did. So I'm just saying, sometimes God will do things that will make you uncomfortable. Sometimes God will say things that will make you uncomfortable. Sometimes God just wants you to walk across 
a restaurant and just look at somebody and say, you know what? I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but I just feel like you got a burden on your heart. Can I pray for you? You say, well, what would happen if I did that? Nine times out of 10, they'd let you and probably break down and you'd have a chance to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Right in the Cracker Barrel. Right in the Waffle House. So look, so if that's weird to you and you don't want to do stuff like that, that's fine. But don't ask God for more opportunities when you pray. Lord, give me more opportunities. Why would he? You done passed up 50 of them today. You don't need more opportunities. You need obedience to the opportunities that you already have. Am I saying something that means something to your church? You don't need more chances. You need more obedience. You need more obedience. So I, I just figure that since the Lord's clearing our vision up a little bit, I, I wanted to preach on this tonight because God's allowing us to see some things differently than we've seen it before. And I'm glad it's been slow. I'm glad it's been manageable. I'm glad it's been packageable. I'm, I'm glad it's been kind of a long, arduous transition. It showed us who needed to be weeded out, not because they were bad people, but because some folks just can't go to the next level with you when you start dealing with this kind of stuff. I'm not looking for fantastical. I'm not looking to be some supernatural, motivational guru, pop psychologist. I'm just looking to preach the Bible and say this is what the Bible says, and the Bible already has an anointing, so allow the anointing to follow the people and to allow God to do what God wants to do. And so you, you can't look at this stuff anymore as weird. We look at it as weird because the lens we were brought up with told us to look at it like it was weird. It's not odd, it's God. It's not odd, it's God. And so we've got to get to a place where we are fully, completely restored and God allows us to see things that we've never seen before. But I thought it was interesting that even Jesus had to put his hands on the same man's face twice. So what I gather from that and we pray is this. Not everything we want to happen is going to happen immediately when we desire it to. Some things are incremental. Sometimes it's going to take a second pass. It's going to take a second wave. It's going to take a, a, a second, as it were, blessing from the Lord. But I believe we're getting there. And one of the greatest things I like about Wednesday night is it gives me a chance as your shepherd to let you see my heart with a microphone a little bit to let you know I'm, I'm trying to get there myself. I, I'm, I'm trying to listen. I, I'm trying to shut down the voice and turn on the ear this year so I can be sensitive to what the Lord wants because God don't want to have to scream at you. He just speaks in a still small voice. He wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the earthquake. You know why? Because the devil can imitate wind, fire, and earthquake, but he cannot imitate the still small voice of the Holy Ghost of God. He cannot imitate that. There is no substitute for that. And so tonight, may our hearts desire, may our hearts cry, be simply that God will allow us to see things more clearly. Amen, church? I want you to bow with me if you would. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you feel for whatever reason that maybe you, you, you need to come forward to pray as we close out here in a moment, you can do that. You can come lift up holy hands to the Lord right here at the platform, right at the altar. You can come kneel down. But if you just want to be right there in your seat, that's fine. But as we're, as we're bowed before the Lord, I just want you to be sensitive to the moving of His Spirit, to the direction of His Spirit. I don't know all that God has. We know what He's already done but it's only been the introduction. It's only been the precursor to what he's wanting to do in us. And he's wanting to do so much more. He's wanting to do so much more. So we're going to close out. Some folks are already beginning to come. I don't know what the Lord has for you. I don't know what the Lord has for you. But I want you to be sensitive. I want you to be mindful of God's mind. Get the mind of the Lord. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Come on tonight. Sometimes we need our, our world turned upside down from what we've learned, what we've been taught. Sometimes we need a little bit of the Spirit of God to, to bump out of us a lot of things that have been placed in us. So you come. We'll give you just a moment. You come. I'm going to ask my wife to come. And I'm going to have her close us in prayer tonight here in just a moment as we're just simply seeking the Lord. One of the things that somebody said the other day, 
was I appreciate the fact that you're not getting in a hurry anymore. You're not getting in a hurry. And there's no need to get in a hurry because we're not going to hurry the Lord. We're just not. And she's praying herself, so she may not want to pray tonight. If she does, she can slip up here, but I see her praying already. I can tell when she's praying. But tonight, tonight it's just time to listen. It's time to listen. I'll tell you what I do want to do. Pastor Danny, I want you to come up here for a minute. I'm going to give you this microphone. Danny's been a friend of this church and a friend to me personally for a long, long time. Been on staff here for a good while now as our family pastor. He, he's seen the transition. He's seen the brokenness, but he's seen the transition. He's, he comes from this world a lot more evidently than I did. A lot more than I understood. And I, he's, he's patiently just prayed behind the scenes and watched God change this church, change his church change this body 